And to his credit, there would probably be a lot of agents that would, you know, maybe throw their hands up in the air and go like unrealistic, all of that sort of thing. But, you know, to Gavin's credit, he says, well, my owner wants 10, I've got to go work for it. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. Each episode, we bring you behind-the-scenes supplier news, developments, exclusive interviews, technology and more to help you list more, sell more and elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. Now, here is your host... Samantha McLean. Welcome everyone to our final episode of the Deluxe Nuts. Once again, I am joined by Dave Scow, um, legend of Wagga. Welcome, Dave. G'day, Sam. Thanks for having me. It was great to have you back. Thanks for coming back. We've we've missed a week, so there's, there's no point pulling the wool over people's eyes. I had COVID, <laughs> but but um, you know if you can sort of hear, it's, it's still in my voice. But I was well enough to watch episode six of Lux Listings. Perfect. Perfect. So, um, so this is it. This is the, the final episode of season two. And we found out in your interview last week with Delene that they've actually filmed season three. Um, have you seen any gossip or anything like that showing, um, you know, when we might expect to see season three come to our screens? No, nothing yet. And I think that now that the season two is wrapped up and the, the final episode's been aired, I think that's what we can expect to see next. I have put a few feelers out there. Nothing has come uh, to fruition yet, but um, all indications are that it will be before the end of the year. Yeah, I've been keeping my ear to the ground too, and I haven't heard anything so far. So, um, so we're just going to have to um, get get by on selling Sunset season five between now and then. Yeah, oh, far are you, out. <laughs> are you a fan of that show? Yeah, I'm a bit of a latecomer to it actually, and I'm not up to season five yet. I'm up to season four. Um, yeah, it's a whole other beast. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we need to start doing a few recaps of that one. Who knows? Yeah, something maybe. To, I'm on board. Something to keep us busy over the winter months. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, so so we're up, to, we're up to episode six, but um, we still have one more exclusive interview in the can, and that was um, you caught up with um, the new star of the show, Monica too. Yeah, and what a great uh, addition she's been to the show. I think that hopefully in season three, we might see a little bit more of her. Um, there was a couple of um, episodes in the middle of this season where Monica didn't get much of the show, but um, what she's brought to the, the series has been fantastic. Um, she's vivacious. She's everything. Um, she's extra. She's a lot, um, but she was a real joy to speak to as well. So uh, we sat down and asked a few questions, particularly around her success and where she's come from and how she's gotten to where she is today. Yeah, amazing. So let's roll the tape on that. Let's do it. G'day, folks, and welcome to this special interview for the Deluxe Nuts podcast, brought to you by Elite Agent and sponsored by our very good friends at Issue. I'm Dave Scow, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Lux Listings Australia superstar, Monica Too. Welcome, Monica. Hello. How are, How are you, you? How guys? You really good. Really good. Perfect. Thanks for giving us your time today. We can only imagine how busy your schedule is normally. How have you gone about fitting in filming for the show in your already bustling schedule? I think like the, the things like for what I do is that I think I'm very privileged. Sometimes I can't, you know, arrange my time. So I, I this is the commitment I, I, you know, I made. I said, okay, I'm going to make time. So you can always make time. So if you want to do something, you can, you can make it happen. Perfect. It was crazy, crazy few months, but 
really enjoyable. Perfect. And look, saying that, I, we've just launched into season two of the show. Had you seen the first season before signing up to of take part? Of course I did. Of and course I thought? did. Yes, of course. What that's the reason I decided to join too. So loved it. Perfect. Very good. We've also just had word that the season's been renewed for, or the series has been renewed for a third season. How do you feel about that? What can we expect to see from Monica 2 and, and Black Diamonds? So which one? Season 2 or season 3? Season 3. Oh, season three. Oh, my God. I, they, there will be a lot of dramas. Of course, some incredible houses. And, uh, you know, I, I think because, you know, I operate not only eastern suburbs around um, Sydney, some of the houses just absolutely incredible. A lot of good stories. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, you know, uh, I think to make the show interesting and, of course, number one is the, the properties. So we present a lot of amazing properties. And even, you know, beyond my imagination, you know, my imagination, you know what I mean? So I have a lot of imaginations about that. So it's a lot of, you know, competitions, of course, and among mm, all the talents. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Beautiful. That's great. We um, saw a lot of you in season two. What were some of the highlights of the show for you? I, said, uh, I think highlights for me is um, uh, uh, actually the show actually brought us together. I mean, you know, agent, we're very busy. Everybody, you know, three of us are running our own, own, own you know, uh, race. And so we'll get together, we'll, we'll do some things together. I, I think that actually brought us together, you know, to understand even more about um, uh, Gavin, you know, Simon, and of course, uh, Deling, uh, is, is, um, I think it's really nice to see people working together as well. And yeah. as a female agent, in, I think um, it's really nice to chat just beyond the real estate. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. That's number one, I think, you know, um, highlights for me to get to know other agents because I'm relatively young in the industry. So sure. they're like, oh, my God, the 30 years <laughs> dealing, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm literally only about just over 10 years. So I learned so much from them as well. Yeah. And I, uh, one thing is, like, I think it's a great platform for, uh, because I, I do working with a lot of international buyers, and it's a great platform to showcase Australian luxury properties. What is luxury all about? I think I brought a little bit of lux into the season. I would agree yeah, with and, that. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And again, you know, I'm, I'm such an uh, advocate for Australian products, you know, um, of course, real estate and um, uh, services. So I think I, I brought a lot into, you know, uh, season two. I hope everybody will enjoy it. I think everyone will absolutely agree. Speaking about agents coming together, one thing we saw in season two uh, was you throwing that fantastic co-hosting party at the beautiful St. Leonard's penthouse. Some agents may see that throwing a co-listing party like that's a little unusual or a little unorthodox. Is that something that you've done before? And now that you've done it at St Leonard's, is it something you do again? Actually, this is a really interesting question because I got asked by you know Kyle at the Kiss FM this morning. So, you know, why don't you do co-listing? Because literally the other agent would take half of your commission. But for me, it's like, you now what is the best result for the vendors? You know, so. But working together, I think who is going to be benefit is the vendor. So you have two people pay one commission, got two agents working for you. Uh, it's a little bit unusual, but I'm a very generous, you know, uh, at the end of the day. So let's get it sold and let's get the best price possible. And I do um, love the other agents, particularly in Gavin's team. You know, Kai used to work for me. I want to see Kai, you know, do well, you know. So this is uh, something people, 
how they do it because you know every, why I want to share it, right? So everybody thinks they can do everything. Now, sometimes, yeah. yes, of course we can, but it's a bit of add value for, for the vendors. And and my vendors just loved it. They loved the idea. I said, how could you do that? I said, you know, just let's work together. Yeah, and put everybody okay. on the roof and let's see some dramas. Yeah, good. And I think that that was a really beautiful part of this season of the show is that we did see um, your very generous nature and your generous spirit. That really came across well in the season. Yeah, um, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, <laughs> in our I mean, agents obviously have a, a pretty poor reputation. So I think that you've been a really good advocate for agents in general on the show to show the general public that we're not all um, just about the money or just about the commission or moving on to the next deal. And it really is a client first experience. And that's the priority. So from on behalf of the industry thank you for, for oh, thank you such a good light that, that yeah i i i think that that's something that that's some of the contribution or, or some of you know i come like a new agent didn't really know much about the histories of the industry and but i have learned so much i grow so much you know i i remember i had another interview with your guys you know a couple of years ago right that was so green in the in the industry but just by look at what i have achieved again you know last year 45 million dollars one single house 2019 national record so there's a reason behind it you know just be generous but you know open your heart and working together and the vendors you know for our high net worth you know high high you know um networks clientele or the luxury real estate uh, the vendor can see that you know can see so it's all about you know what you have done now you know and, and then the referrals are really powerful yeah. I think um you know thank you for saying that I think it's a bit of contribution to you know change some people's mind that they just open mind embrace working with others get the best result for vendors you know what God bless you know the better better uh, listings will come yeah perfect I completely agree I think it's safe to say also that you're one of the most consistently positive members of the cast. Um, you are such a vibrant and vivacious personality. How do you keep that up all the time? You just always seem to be on. Is, is that something <laughs> you've had to perfect over years of practice or is it something that comes naturally to you? I, I think, of course, I'm born very, you know, like a positive, right? I, I wouldn't, you know, but keep the spirit, okay? If you do something, you know, because real estate is just such cutthroat, lots of hard work and just have that spirit. What I say is like, you know, I just want to get job done properly. Real estate become my passion. You know, people say once it's become a passion, it's not working anymore. So I work seven days a week. I just love everything I do. Sometimes you have difficult cases, easy cases. You know what? Just do the best you can. I never look at the result. I look at, you know, every day, have I done the best I can? So, you know, by doing that, I, I feel like every day is a, is a new day. And um, yeah, I just want to do the best and I can sleep, say, oh my, I've done the best I can. I wake up in the morning, oh my God, I'm still alive. This is another day, right? Good day. Just keep the spirit high, uh, you know, positive and yeah, that, that's me. Amazing. Too, too much energy, Donny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now that you've had a, a taste for reality television, can we see you popping up on our screens anywhere else? Can we expect, what's your singing voice like? Would you have a crack at the voice or are you more of an SAS kind of girl? Uh, I can be anybody I want to be, but at the moment I just enjoy the uh, prime videos. I'm, I really hope that people will laugh in the Lux listings. So it's it's such a because I have watched a lot of them, million dollar listings, Sin and Sunset, all of them, right? But this two is just so different because it's so real. It's yeah. us, and um, and we, we got uh, how can you how can you you know do it because we you know four of us are very busy, but it's not a show. It's 
just ourselves. So you just present yourself in front of the camera, the real you. It's not hard. So the show is just absolutely fantastic. It's really uh, show my personality, and I loved it. And it's what you see is what you get. And put that way. And um, yeah, I, I, I stick with the last listing at the moment. Yep. I don't know, you know, like who knows, right? You know, what's what's next? But I, I will keep my dating job though, you know. <laughs> this is, is the best industry. I loved it. Yeah. Well, you're too good to give it up. So yeah, perfect. Too good to give up. No way. Very no good. Way. That that finishes up for me. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us at Elite Agent. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Great interview, great catch up with Monica. Um, I, I would really welcome seeing um, more of Monica in season three. I think she's been a great addition to the show. And clearly she is. Um, she plays a big role in, in episode six, um, which we're about to get into today. But before I do, um, for one last time, um, a special thank you to our sponsor issue. Um, and that special offer is going to be running for a bit longer. So as a special offer, listeners of Elite Agent Elevate can get started on issue today for free. Or if you sign up for an annual premium account, you can get 50% off when you go to issue.com and use the promo code ELITE, that's E-L-I-T-E, um, issue.com, I-S-S-U-U.com and use the promo code ELITE at the checkout for your free account or 50% off off your annual premium account. And just recently, I've actually seen some really great real estate open home brochures on issue. Like, you know, there's some incredible stuff that you can do with issue. Um, not only put your open home brochures up there, but you can also like tweet them and stuff like that. It's really, really cool. Yeah. So, obviously, um, if you're listening to the podcast, they've got an entrepreneur there, the 50% <laughs> off deal, thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Really, some really beautiful stuff. Okay. Speaking of beautiful stuff. Um, you're looking well. You're looking beautiful as always. But um, let's Thank let's you. go. Let's go into <laughs> let's go into um, let's go into episode six. So yeah. we're opening episode six um, with Simon and Tammy, and they're um, amazingly enough. Do you remember the Bellevue House, Bellevue Hill House, the Amalfi Coast House? Um, so Simon incredibly tells um, Jen and Tammy that he managed to get it for Adrian for fourteen point three five million. Yeah, which is a huge result considering they were talking in that episode when they were showing it that there was expectations around that 18 mark. So uh, that's a great result and probably a real testament as to why you have a buyer's agent like Simon Cohen on your side to, to be able to secure uh, deals like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, uh, it, it is a big reduction. I think what we calculated last time was about 20% or something like that. Like it was actually a really, really big price reduction. So um, um, amazing job. I don't know that you might get that much in real life. Like, you know, like maybe some of it was um, was for TV and for the cameras, but um, but well done, Simon, for actually doing the job for Adrian. And as, as he said in an interview with him a couple of weeks ago, that he's actually bought another few properties for that guy. So Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of business going on, but um, gosh, the pressure of a twenty percent price reduction. I don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, big bickies. Big bickies. Um, so the conversation continues on, and um, if you remember at the end of episode five, um, 
it war broke out basically. Um, <laughs> Deline, Simon and Gavin were sitting around having um, a, a meditation session, which Tammy says was more like a mediation session, and that was probably pretty accurate. Um, but um, thank goodness they seem to have kissed and made up or, or something has happened because um, Simon and Tammy have actually got an invite to the TRG two-year party, and who doesn't love a good party? Where was yeah, our invite? Especially Where a TRG that? party. Yeah, look, hopefully the three-year party invite is on its way <laughs> in a couple of months' time. We'd be down for that. Um, yeah, look, I, I think it's a bit of a recurring theme. We saw the one-year party on the boat in Series 1. Uh, we've got the second-year party coming up later in this episode, and it looks like a, a great um, shebang. Um, I'm sure that... Uh, the TRG group don't do things by half. So, um, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. But it is, it's a good sign of an olive branch, I suppose, being extended to the Cohen Handler team. Uh, Jen politely declines. She's not up for the uh, party this time around, but um, Simon and Tammy are definitely going to make their way over to the uh, two-year party later on in this episode. That's it. Pack the passports. Forget the cut lunches. I think yeah. I think it's pack the yeah. passports. I, you know, Dave. Um, I mean, like you know that throughout this series, like I've I I like I love trying to figure out where these properties are, yeah. and you know, looking at this property, you know, they said forty five minutes out of Sydney, and this is um, you know, obviously there's a lot of carpool karaoke goes on in this one, but um, as they head out of the city in in the Porsche, you know, I'm thinking you're going the wrong way. <laughs> like yeah. it's clearly they're going up Bellevue road um i'm looking at the house thinking oh to me you know like um it looks like matcham like you know some of the really lovely central coast hinterland kind of things but for the life of me i can't figure out 45 minutes out of sydney where that is yeah and look, that's got to be 45 minutes at midnight with no traffic surely <laughs> yeah. i'm battling to get from edgecliff to Bloody St Martin Station in forty-five minutes. <laughs> yep, especially if you're going to head head that way by going up Bellevue Road. <laughs> Just does yeah. not. I don't know. I don't know what what's what's up with the navigator in the Porsche. But anyway. Um, so Simon and Tammy head off and now we head over to Carlotta Road and the Elephant Shoe House. So we've we've seen the elephant. Well, let's talk about the Elephant Shoe House because it was called that for a really um, quirky reason. Yeah, it's the uh, the love story between the vendor and his wife um, and the mouth movement of Elephant Shoe looks a little bit like I Love You. Look, this was a little bit cringy for me. I thought it was a little bit <laughs> awkward, especially when Gav was trying to explain it to the uh, potential buyers. But, yeah, look, this is an amazing property. I think that this really fits that um, calibre of a, a TRG uh, listing or a TRG property. The open house uh, that we're moving into in this part of the episode is a, a spectacle. Um, it's champagne and canapes and uh, music and people walking around. Kai and Shani are there uh, as Gav walks in uh, and Kai technically says, no shit, it's going nuts. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people going, uh, going through the open house. And we, we we see Kai talk about a, a little surprise that he's got. He does look like that naughty schoolboy and think, oh, God, what's he done? Gavin looks very pensive and is a little bit uncertain about what's going on. But, um, yeah, as we see a little bit later, it's, um, it's, it's a really good idea, actually, to talk about that in a tick. Um, but, yeah, the, the open house is a spectacle. It probably rivals that open house that we saw at the Bondo Beach uh, shoebox apartment. Um, it's uh, it's an amazing house. It's a unique house, and, and Gav goes on to explain through the episode just how unique it is for this area. 
It's an attached home, so it's not a freestanding home. It's been architecturally designed to really maximise the small space that the, that the block offers. Um, but as a result, we're looking at three or four levels of living, um, stairs, stairs, stairs. There's just a lot to it. Um, but it is that property porn, absolutely. It ticks that box. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, like, I think the vendor wants like 8 million. It's another one of these properties where um, it's funny, you know, like we were talking about um, the castle in the brief this morning, like I think 25 years of the castle or 30 years of the castle or something like that. And um, another vendor that's sort of a bit Daryl Kerrigan-ish in the, um, you can't buy what I've got. Like, you know, and this vendor has actually sort of built this house like to, to everything that they want. And, um, and, and I remember thinking, you know, stairs, 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 like, you know, so it really is going to be a particular kind of buyer. But then I think there was some sort of record about this house that even though there, it was over like a lot of levels, it's like 550 square metres of living space in Double Bay yeah. is not yeah. insignificant. Especially when it's on a 350-odd square metre block. Like it, it defies logic, really. Um, so, yeah, very well thought out and very well designed, obviously. But as you said, the owner... Um, is is quite emotionally attached to this property. And this is the lesson for agents, I suppose, is, and and we've seen the theme a couple of times in this season where um, sellers aren't really wanting to sell. And so the the task of the agent to try and make these deals happen with sellers that aren't necessarily willing sellers or or immediately willing sellers, um, there's a real craft to that. Um, And this property ticks that box as well and and, and meets that brief for Gav. The good thing that we saw after the open house is that Gab straight onto the phone, um, talking to the owner about the feedback from the open house. And it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because while Gab's talking up the feedback and saying how many people are interested, the owner then changes the goalposts and decides that instead of the original eight and then maybe into the nine that Gab started talking about at the start of this open house, he now probably won't sell for less than 10. Um, and it seems like that's getting into territory, which is nigh on impossible um, to, to, to achieve. I mean, Gavin really starts working the open as Gavin does. And I think, you know, this is, um, you know, this is just typical Gavin. And um, and as he's showing one of the people around, it's like it's a good thing that, that Kai and Shani have actually pulled out all the stops on this one because there's a DJ. Um, and then, you know, as Gavin is leading, um, you know, one of one of the people at the open home around, he sees a lady in a red dress in the swimming pool. Yeah, that's <laughs> like quite surprising. Yeah, with a sky surprise, a bit of a, uh, like, I don't know, is it a bit of Disney going on? Like she looks like sort of Little Mermaid meets, um, you know, I don't know. Well, the Little Mermaid wasn't in a red dress, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. It looks like Cinderella's been thrown overboard or something. And look, it looked a little bit off when I first saw it too, but then there's a beautiful scene um, where this pool has got like a porthole that you can see from one of the rooms downstairs, see up into the pool and the lady in the red dress is swimming past and it's magic. And then all of a sudden it makes sense. And, and that it's a really master stroke from Kai to, to organise that. But would you see it in Wagga? Look, probably not. <laughs> We're definitely not having any portholes into the swimming pools from the downstairs wine cellar um, in Wagga. Yeah, look, it's probably a little bit voyeuristic for the everyday Wagga man. 
straight after the open, Gavin gets on the phone to the vendor, which I think is good. If if I could only if I could sort of improve that by one percent, I'd say get on a FaceTime call or send a video or something like that. Um, but Gavin gets on the phone to his vendor to let him know how the open's gone, and the and guess what. The owner says, "I now want ten million. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's another. In, that's an increase of about two. Thank goodness Simon's not, you know, <laughs> negotiating the price drop here. But, um, but yeah, I think this is something that we've kind of seen all the way through the series. Is that you know the Sydney market being what it what it was again, as you said, is like, you know, um, you might as well try it out, see what you can get." Yeah, that's right. And this is exactly where having that um, really focused, detailed information at the back of your head ready to, to pull out to a vendor, to substantiators, to why those expectations may be lofty or to a buyer to explain and um, solicit an offer at that owner's level because it represents value, blah, blah, blah. And that's something that Gavin has done really well throughout this whole season, that he has this absolutely intimate knowledge of the market in, in every pocket that he operates. Yeah, that's that that's a detail thing again, like, you know, like he's com- completely manic on the detail. So, and to his credit, you know, like there would probably be a lot of agents that would, you know, maybe throw their hands up in the air and go like unrealistic, all of that sort of thing. But, you know, to Gavin's credit, he says, well, my owner wants 10, I've got to go work for it. Like, you yeah. know, it's almost this, all right, this is what he wants. Uh, I better, I better go, um, hustle <laughs> yeah and as much as he sort of says to the owner look i think 10 is probably getting to that point where it's unrealistic for this this and this reason at no point does he try and talk the vendor out of that at no point does he discredit the vendor's wishes as to wanting to try for that 10 um so yeah he does a really good job at that yeah yeah absolutely so let's jump in the car with simon and tammy and head out of sydney um and um tammy's done her homework um, on this house. So they're going to go and have a look at the house where the TRG party is. Um, like I said, they said the property is 45 minutes out of Sydney, but you know, the continuity in, in that whole scene just doesn't, doesn't add up. Um, but, um, you know, we get a first look at this country, um, estate or something that they're calling the country estate. And, um, yeah, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, me too. This is definitely Wagga's version of Lux Listings. This is the kind of property that we would see in, in my area um, at that high end, um, high spec, beautiful grounds, sprawling ranch style home, um, amenities to the eyeballs. Uh, and this is all because uh, Simon's had a phone call, coincidentally, from a buyer who's looking for acreage in Sydney. So uh, it couldn't have worked out better, really. And Gav has told him that there is the possibility that the owners may consider selling for the right kind of money. So um, how much of that is real and how much of it is for the episode, I don't know. But um, it's definitely a great opportunity to get another look through another really spectacular home. Yeah. I just want to have a moment here for um, Liam, actually, because the second I saw this property, I was thinking, oh, if only Liam was still in the series, (laughs) we'd we'd have llamas and all sorts of things at this party, but you know, like it's, it's not to be. Um, Anyway, we, we, we've still got a party to look forward to and I'm here for it. (laughs) Yeah, true. 
Simon and Tammy do a look through, and I think Tammy's actually doing a really good job of being the agent here. She's clearly done her homework. Yeah. Um, you know, as as for Simon and Gavin, you know, like um, I, I do think that they'd rather talk about work than talk about their feelings, although Simon does make a joke about um, canoodling with Gavin in the jacuzzi, which, yeah. you know, I don't know, makes me a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, canoodling <laughs> wasn't the right word. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't know about that. But thank <laughs> Thank, thank God that scene ends and we're, um, we're back with Gavin and, and Kai and they're on their way um, to meet Monica. Yeah, that's so right. So the conversation about um, Monica's co-listing opportunity um, at the St Leonard's penthouse is back on the cards. Um, she's ready to make a decision, I suppose, as to which agent she's going to invite to work with her in the marketing and listing of the $18.5 million penthouse at St Leonard's. Um, and at least this time where Gavin was really dismissive of it earlier in the season when the opportunity was presented and then we saw the TRG boys all go to the co-listing party with a very notably absent Gavin. Um, at least Gavin's sort of taking this a bit more seriously this time and Gavin and Kai together are going to meet Monica for lunch, what it looks like to be at McMahon's Point. And, um, yeah, look, Gavin really starts working Monica, as soon as they sit down, really, and, um, yeah, he's, he's a master of that, um, I was going to say master of manipulation, and it's not really manipulation, but it's definitely saying the right things. I, I love, I actually love this scene because you can tell that, you know, like Monica's ready to make him work for it yeah, and she correct. knows exactly what's coming, <laughs> yeah, which is going right. to be, you know, Gavin's going to just fire hose her with the Rubenstein charm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, so and it's like, you know, like beyond anything else, I also think it's really nice now that um, even though Gavin didn't attend the co-listing party, that he's had a bit of a, um, a think about it. And because, you know, like Kai is an important member of his team and Kai clearly wants this, um, that he's actually sort of going, well, right, you know, one of my team wants this, I'm going to have to support them. Yeah, correct. And look, Monica really does make them work for it too. It's not a walk in the park by any stretch. She quickly fires off at Gavin and says, where were you at the co-listing party? You didn't even bother to attend. And, and he's probably a little bit on the back foot from the start, just where she wants him. Um, but then he's, he's very direct in, in asking why. Why TRG? Why are you the ones that, um, that we should be co-listing with? And again, to Gavin quite work this um, really well um, both together not in a good cop, bad cop kind of way, but in a good cop, good cop kind of way. Um, and they're very quick to be able to respond with, A, their unique selling proposition, their key points of difference, um, their elevator pitch, why TRG, and look, the, the reasons behind it are that they're new and young and fresh and emerging and they're tech savvy and they're, um, they're not the stale, older school ways of what they think that, the Delanes and Palliers may be, uh, they're the other options. So, um, and then Gav goes straight in for the jugular and, and does the hard close there and then. And um, yeah, it pays off. Yeah, everyone, cheers, cheers to that, and um, and and we all move on. I think just worthy of note, like you know, when Monica does say to um, you know Kai, why should I choose you? Like often, um, you know, the way that plays out in various sales situations or various listing presentations, or you know, like w whatever situation you happen to be in, often you're not lucky enough to have that question as to 
you know, what makes you different or why should I choose you? It will come in lots of different disguises. But I think the real lesson there is um, to really understand what your point of difference is and be able to have it roll off your tongue really, really quickly like Kai did. Yeah, um, and as we've said before in, in these podcasts, questions like that aren't designed to try and catch you off guard. They're not trying to – typically the vendor or the, the client in this situation, Monica, isn't trying to discount you, but they're giving you that opportunity to um, to, to close the deal. So the questions are great. If you're getting asked those questions, that's a really positive sign. I'd be much more concerned – when you're not getting the questions at all. Yeah. I often think too that, um, I mean, you know, to just, just to this point as well, like, because obviously if this was a real life situation and, um, and, you know, you had two people sizing up whether you wanted them to work together or not. Um, let's face it, so much of the research is done online these days that, you know, like, you know, in, in the real world, whoever it is that's doing the asking of that question would have a really good idea of, um, you know, whether they want to work with you or not already. What yeah. they're really looking for is the confirmation that the in-person experience and the in-person answer actually matches what they think they know. Yeah. Because if there's a mismatch, there it can all go horribly wrong but if if there's a match there it's like okay this is this is what i think i know to be true okay it is true yeah yeah good point yeah um so with that with um we're choosing gavin's won the co-listing or kai's won the co-listing um so now we're going to head back to carlotta road for an auction and uh for the final time this season cooley and his magical tie make an appearance um (laughs) it's gonna have to be a magical tie to get that 10 million for the vendor so um you know there's lots of serious faces and um well speaking of faces dave i reckon i've seen some of those faces at the auction before what about you yeah absolutely there are definitely some familiar faces Particularly the one that stood out for me the most is the lady that um, in season one was a client of Simon's trying to buy the house that Michael Pellier had or the apartment, no, the house that Michael Pellier had with that gun barrel view down to the Harbour Bridge and missed out and it sold for much more than she was willing to pay. Um, Yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It probably makes the... Uh, experience a little bit less genuine for, for the viewer in a show like this. Um, look, she may very well have been there. She didn't make a bid. She didn't look like she was buying this place, and it's certainly completely different to what we've seen her looking at in the past. She may have genuinely been there as a supporter to uh, an interested party or a bidder. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know how I feel about this one. It's interesting though, you know, like, cause I was, I was thinking about it too. Like, you know, could you use real buyers and sellers? And I, you know, like there was clearly some, some, um, you know, in, in both series, there have clearly been people who are really, you know, like Janet from season one comes to mind, you know, the, yeah. um, the, the, the elderly lady in Bellevue Hill that, um, you know, that Delene did the listing presentation with. Um, but, you know, like I, I sort of wonder, you know, like, whether you know how keen real people would be to to be on the show sort of auctions are such a a high stress kind of 
um, you know, thing, particularly if, if you're the one doing the bidding and if the emotions are real and all that sort of thing. So I don't know, might, might, yeah. might be best, but, but I was, I was kind of, <laughs> I was bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, you know, like I pressed pause and let yeah, and in and looked and then I pressed yeah. pause again and zoomed in and looked and yeah, it was definitely, definitely her. And then I think, um, you know, not not that the same people don't sort of chase agents around at every auction and every open that that they have, but I reckon the two guys that you know narrowly missed out on that property in season in episode one, the ones that that I think pointed out look like, you know, tech millionaires. I think they might yep. be actors too. Yeah, just quite possibly. <laughs> and look, I think the, the the problem with the lady from season one coming back to this auction is that she had quite a big role in season one. Like she was speaking to camera, maybe not speaking to camera, but speaking, uh, had the private tour with Simon. That filled up sort of a good 10 minutes of an episode. So she was a bit more prominent than perhaps just a few of the fill-ins or the extras in the background. Um, and I think that probably made the difference. If, if they have been there and not participated, not spoken before, rehash them and use them again at, at every auction that you need to use them. At, but if they started to speak or put their hands up for a bid, they've done their dash for the show, I think. Producers yeah, take yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They they need to find another extra or need to find another one of Kyle's relatives or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Um, so magical, the swimming pool girl isn't there this time. So, you know, like uh, I think she's she's probably had had her moment. But um, $7 million is the opening bid and Gavin says it doesn't matter where an auction starts, it only matters where it finishes, which is pretty good advice actually. Don't, don't sort of worry too much about the you know the the seven million yeah that is somewhat true at the same time though i've seen a lot of coolies auctions and he is very quick to discount a first bid or an opening bid if he thinks that it's too far away um so i think in real life i personally think that a seven million dollar opening bid he probably would have been knocked back by coolie um if it was a, a typical auction on a typical saturday morning um because it is a fair gap between seven and ten million dollars and i mean look you're working in increments of quarter of a million dollars or whatever maybe not but then he's looking at uh, increments of a hundred thousand dollars at a time that's a, a lot of bids between the bottom and the top um so yeah look i don't know yes it doesn't matter where the auction starts it matters where it finishes to an extent i think that there's a caveat there that a lot of good auctioneers know when to knock back a bid that may not be in the the best interest of the process. Yeah, yeah. Well, we do know that um, starting at such a low number, that means Gavin's going to have to do a lot of hustling on the auction yeah. floor. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, without without repeating that that old chestnut again about strippers and bucks parties, um, yeah. Gavin does get to work. And um, the, bid, the bids go up and, you know, we get to a certain point and Gavin calls the vendor and says, you know, my advice is to put on the market. So um gets to 9.5 and, you know, we, we know that the vendor wants 10, but I think this is probably again where a good agent comes in and, a, a you know, like I don't want to quote Kenny Rogers, but know when to hold them, know when yeah. to fold them kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, so that that moment of actually saying, look, I think you should declare this on the market because, um, you know, you, you want the momentum to remain, right? Yeah, correct. And look, there's a lot of, benefit in selling under the hammer on auction day as opposed to letting it pass in and negotiating in the week after. Um, and it is all about that that 
that buzz of auction day and, and the, the heightened emotion of spirited bidding between a couple of buyers. Um, I suppose that the, the sage advice from Gavin is that if you call it on the market now, the worst thing that's going to happen is that there's not another bid and you've sold it for 9.5. And the best thing that can happen is that we exceed 9.5 and get closer to your dream price. Um, and look, I think he does a good job of convincing the owner that that's the best thing to do. And, and ultimately, it turns out that it is the best thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And the hammer comes down at 9.725, which is not too shy of that 10 million. So, you know, if you were the vendor, that would be a like you'd be have to be pretty happy with that being um, a, a record for an attached property in that area. And again, like being such an unusual property, like, you know, I think you'd have to be pretty happy with that. I think so. And look, I mean, on the flip side, the, the glass half moon, he says that that's 725 grand over that 9 million dream price that we were talking about when that open house first started. And even the Chinese sort of said, what, 9 million for this? Like that seemed like it was going to be a pretty big ask. So um, I think 9725, particularly because it was a record, but that seems like a really good result. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is the final hammer of um, of season two. Um, and so it's time to partay. So let's, let's get in the car and, um, Head, head off to the Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't work out where it is. Might be Belrose. I, I do think that I saw a little bit of um, Monica's penthouse in the, you know, in in the um, in the foreground, which maybe you know, if it's looking over St Leonard's, it could be yeah. somewhere out that way. I mean, who knows? But um, all right, kids, don't try this at home. But we see the boys drive up in an open Land Rover, and I'm just wondering yeah. how the hell is that legal? Um, no seat belts, nothing else, and you know, like I mean, you know, boys being boys and all the rest of it. But let's gloss over, you know, like there. Sometimes things are done for TV, and road rules might be one of them too. Yeah, correct. Yeah, let's pretend that that's, uh, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Gavin has some more news. Um, you know that that he's alluding to in this in this um, that he's going to reveal in the party. Um, Monica and Jad arrive, looking great. Some bikini babes, like you know, maybe you know, maybe it was the girl in the red dress just attired differently. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I love Delene. Delene reminds us that real estate parties are boring, um, but she's doing it for the boys. Yeah. Um, Yep. So, um, so yep. And then Simon and Tammy arrive. Yeah, that's right. And look, I think Simon's a little bit apprehensive about uh, what kind of reception he's going to receive from Gav when he first gets there. And look, it is a little bit frosty. I think it's a little bit awkward. Um, Shanee and Remy are there. Um, they're all hugs and kisses to Tammy and Simon. Gavin's sort of on the side. G'day mate. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you? It's um, a little bit frosty, but um, yeah, look, they they quickly, um, Gavin quickly extends the olive branch and says, mate, let's go and have a chat. It's very reminiscent of um, the chat that he and Shani has uh, in season one. I'm expecting that come to Jesus meeting where they go and take a walk on the beach and only one of them comes back, but um, it's a little bit more lax than that. Thankfully, it's a little bit more jovial and they reminisce on their childhoods and, and how long they've known each other for and that they're are practically family and their families are practically family and yeah look they hug it out they bury the hatchets and um we, we put that little tiff to rest which is nice and look Gavis has a really poignant um line about business being business and it does remind him not to fuck him over again but apart from that that some things are, are bigger than the the, the dollars and the cents 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it is the, the reality show chat has become a real thing, hasn't it? Like it doesn't matter which reality show you're watching. Um, if there's conflict, you can bet your life there's going to be a chat and it's, it's going to be awkward. Yeah, correct. Chat's not a great word. Oh, anyway, um, so this is where everything sort of gets tied up in a nice little bow. So um, Delene announces that the Lang and Seals Simmons deal has been pulled off. Yep. Um, Monica sold the birdhouse, so yep. um, $9.88 million, which is not too far off the 10 that they wanted. 10, 10 was the number. Yep. Um, and now this means that um, Simon has to now go for karaoke <laughs> with Monica. <laughs> and I want to go with them badly. Me too. Get me a ticket to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Simon, Monica, if you happen to be listening, Dave and I are all in. We're free. <laughs> We're here for you. Um, Yeah, and then, okay, so the next thing, um, and this is kind of reminiscent of, I don't don't know, this scene just felt like Daniela all over again, but uh, we're about to meet Remy 2.0. Yeah, and she really is Remy 2.0. I mean, look, it would be a tough gig stepping into someone's shoes like Remy when they're in a very tight office, a very... um, male-dominated office full of bravado and the, the TRG Boys Club. Um, Monique seems friendly, but she doesn't seem like she's got a lot of mongrel in her, and I think that you would need a bit of mongrel to be able to be Gav's right hand um, and to, to work in the TRG office. Um, look, I don't know. She's a bit airy-fairy for me. She seems a little bit ditzy. It may just be the way that she came across on the camera, but um, a bit like Daniela, she seems a bit flighty. Yeah, well, um, you know, I think we all know that um, if it doesn't go well, um, she's not going to be there for long. <laughs> like, you know, she's going to go the same way that Daniela did. Um, maybe she came from the, the the same acting agency. Who knows? I mean, you know, like you yeah, know, we're making all <laughs> making all sorts of assumptions. This 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 one, but. Um, yeah, so um, Gavin goes and takes the microphone and I'm wondering, you know, with all this talk of karaoke, is he going <laughs> to, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he can sing, but the moment we've been waiting for, which is um, Delta. Delta comes yeah. in for a private performance. And look, we've literally been waiting all season for this. We saw the little teasers at the very start before season two drops that Delta had a cameo. Uh, and yeah, she's there. They Gav also explained, does the old thank you, thanks for coming. So proud of what we've done in the last two years, blah, blah, blah. The Whites have given us their blessing to open the second office, um, which neatly wraps up that little uh, point that we've seen throughout this season as to what's going to happen with, with Ray White and Gav's ambitions to take over the world. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see that that's been put in place. Delta gets up. She has a bit of a sing. She's tall. She, I've never met Delta or seen her in real life before. But she's a, a big woman. Yeah, she's well, she's tall. Like you know, I, I think um, you know, seeing her on The Voice and stuff like that. You know, because she's a hugger. Like you know, which is the lovely yeah. thing about her. And every time she would hug someone else, she would seem like a whole foot taller than. So you know, like I can only imagine Gavin was. The yeah. scenes that she was yeah. filming with Gavin were, then it was probably a little bit of a mismatch. But she's um she's she's lovely. Yeah, she was great. She was a good addition to the to the show. Um, then we sort of finish up with Delta having sung her song, uh, talking with the three OGs, Gav, Delene, and Simon. Um, she throws in a line about um, keeping an eye out for somewhere where she can record the new album. Um, if they come across anything and then 
uh, it's like the uh, the ears prick up and they're in fight mode again and they're uh, fighting over who will um, who Delta will buy off. So yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, pan, pan, the camera pans back and that's it for um, that's it for season two of Lux Listing Sydney. We are dun-dun-dun. Uh, you know, like I, I guess the end of it, you know, like knowing that there's a third season on the horizon um, and like let's go through our top moments of this season um, in a second, but, you know, like I just felt like where are the cliffhangers? Where's the yeah. who's, who's the like, you know, like, yeah. yeah. I think if we didn't know that there was a third season coming up, I would have assumed that season two was done. That was it. Yeah, two, that was it. two season run. It was good while it lasted and that's it because there really is. And I don't know, maybe they didn't know that there was a third season coming up by the time they finished filming the second. Um, they obviously did season one, though, because there was some cliffhangers. Yeah, look, it was a little bit of an anticlimactic ending for season two. But I think that they also probably felt a little bit like that because of how they rushed through a couple of those open points in at the tail end of this episode about the Lang and Simmons deal being done, the, the White family giving their blessing for uh, TRG to open the second office. Um, it just seemed like it was a little bit, oh, shit, we've left these storylines open, we need to close them off quickly, get them up on stage, done, finished. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see how they pick up season three um we've we know that the the four current main cast members are all back so simon delene gavin and monica are all back for season three so yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah yeah absolutely so let's let's talk about some of our favorite moments in this season like you know if you, if you had to watch any of these episodes again um what were your favorite moments dave uh, I think the introduction of Monica into the, the main cast was a big highlight for me. I think that she brought a real bouginess to the to the series. Um, Gav, Simon, Delene, they're obviously high net worth individuals. They they drive nice cars and they dress really well, blah, blah, blah. But they're not overly outwardly um, bougie like Monica is. She is glam and she's all about the glam and all about the, the sparkle and the shine and the fur and... Um, I think that she's brought that really luxe element to the show. She's also bloody funny. Like she's um, very funny in the, the way that she um, interacts with the others and um, talks about herself in the third person about being skinny and beautiful. And yeah, I, I think that she's a really good addition to the group. Yeah. What about yours? Yeah. What's your one of your favourites? Oh, the Tumor House, I think. Um, you know, I think if, if I was to come back in another life as a millionaire, I think I'd, uh, I could see myself living in that clifftop house. And, yeah. um, you know, like, and, and I do think that, you know, or the Amalfi house was nice. Like I'm, I'm sort of talking about the properties here, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I think Charles Tumor's house was absolutely to die for and, um, you know, and, and in amongst all of the, the Lux listings that we saw, um, that one was my favourite. I think what wasn't there um, was probably good because, you know, I know these reality shows get scripted, you know, and I know that there's, um, you know, there's certain points that they've got to hit and there are certain similarities between, say, a show like this and The Real Housewives where, you know, you know that there's going to be a part, at least one party, you know that yeah. there are going to be several contrived gatherings, you know that um, there are going to be the chats. Um, mm. but, <laughs> the, the chat. But I, I just think it was really good that they left off out some of the really – 
you know, let me just call it, there was a few naff things that happened in season one. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a few of the things people said, um, you know, and um, like, you know, that were just kind of like a bit ill, you know, like things yeah. that you kind yeah. of don't like about the real estate industry. Um, and the whole mouse gate thing I thought was a bit, you know, a bit over the top. So, you know, like I'm, I'm really glad that they focus more on the property um, and the deals in this yeah. season of Lux Listing. Yeah. And Lux, probably Lux. the conversations too. I think the conversations seemed more genuine in season two than they did in season one. The conversations that we saw the agents having with their clients and buyers, but also or buyers and sellers, but also the, the conversations that they had amongst themselves, it, it, it still felt scripted. Like it's a reality show. There's always going to be that yeah. level of production, but it seemed a bit more genuine than what season one did. The other thing that I liked um, from a voyeur perspective was Monica's co-listing party because that's something oh, yeah. that is pretty unique. Um, co-listing agreements are not out of the ordinary. They've been around forever and a day. They probably don't exist as much in a, in a really hot market like what we've seen this um, season shot in. But to have a gathering where it's, it's, it's like Fight Club, really. It's like come and meet everyone in the same house and fight to the death and tell me why that you should be the one that I work with. Um, I thought that was an interesting take on, and, and Monica obviously spoke about it in her interview with me, um, an interesting take on, on how you would approach that situation. Yeah, I, I do think, um, you know, I wonder how many um, co-listing parties will happen now as a result yeah. of this show because it's certainly nothing I've ever seen before, um, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, yeah, something quite unique to Lux Listings Sydney, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, also nice about this season was, that we saw more of Sydney, not just the East. Like, you know, like I know I make jokes about, um, you know, get get me out and get me back to the East and all that sort of thing. Um, but it was actually probably nice that more of Sydney was showcased. Like we saw more of the North Shore. We saw more of the South Side. Um, you know, next season maybe we'll get some Inner West. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, that was a nice addition. And I think with Monica being... Um, kept in the fold with season three coming up as well. As we know, she deals, she doesn't deal exclusively in one area like the other three tend to do. Um, so I think that that's probably a, 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 an odds on chance of seeing more of Sydney, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. All in all, I think, um, you know, Amazon have, have delivered for us real estate junkies once again. Um, yeah. Amazing. So, um, so we, we have no word yet on when season three will be out, but um, Dave, the big, the big cliffhanger for everyone right now is, will you be back? Will you join me again for season three? Uh, you'll have to tune in and find out. <laughs> yeah, wonder, I'll definitely be back. I love this stuff. I'm, I'm definitely there. Dave, Dave, I want that rose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's it. We are done, done, done. Um, Lux Listing Season 2, that's a wrap. Um, we'll see you all again. Well, I'll see you again for a regular episode of Elevate sometime soon, um, but we'll see you again as soon as we know when Season 3 is coming out. Dave, thank you so much for joining me over the last six weeks. Thanks, Sam. I've had a ball. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.